Okay. You know, I was thinking about, as we sang that song, the greatness of our God. You know, one of the things about him is, is he has the big picture, you know, where we see a little bit here and there. And uh, so for some time now, this church here in northern Minnesota has been praying for a new associate pastor, someone to come and work with the the youth and uh, with our discipleship ministries. And somewhere down in Illinois, in the Netherlands of Illinois, a couple was praying about, you know, God, we're done with uh, college and seminary, and we're looking for your leading in the ministry. And uh, God put those pieces together. See, he's not limited by time and space, and he knows those things. And so he put it all together. And this morning we have... Uh, our new associate pastor, Steve, and his wife, Faith Wick, with us here. And we're going to do a little bit of a, we're going to call it kind of an installation ceremony. If you guys want to come on up. And uh, elders that are here in the service this morning. And then uh, Joel was on the call committee. I'd like to have Joel come on up. And uh, what we want to do is is just uh, pray. We'll, we'll call this the beginning of uh, Steve's uh, official ministry here, and uh, we want to welcome him to our church and and uh, do that with prayer. So uh, Cal's going to pray, and then after he's done, I'll pray, and and you all join us, and and let's pray together for uh, for Steve and Faith. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for how you do know the big picture, how you are working, uh, even though it seems to us like it, it takes time. and You have no limits to time, Father. We just thank you for uh, bringing Steve and Faith here to minister in this church body. Father, as, as that uh, adventure starts, uh, we just pray your blessing upon them. Pray that you would guide and direct uh, Steve and Faith and us as a church body to uh, reach out to to those in this community to serve you. Just Father, thank you for guiding and directing us, and we just pray your blessing upon this time. Amen. And Lord, we do thank you for bringing these folks here to us. And we look forward to what you'll do through them. And and Lord, they want to be faithful uh, servants of yours. And Lord, we want to be a church that embraces them and welcomes them and supports them. And and we look forward to uh, to doing that with you and, and with your help, Lord. We pray for our student ministries. And we ask that as Steve works with our youth leaders and with our youth, that you would bless that ministry and help those young people to grow and draw near to you as they do that. We pray for our discipleship ministries, God, that you would continue to work, draw us closer together in community with one another, and as we follow you together and seek to uh, carry out our part of the Great Commission that that you've uh, commanded us to do, Lord, that that together we would do that effectively and for your glory and your honor. So we ask now that you uh, bless these two as they have come here. Bless their ministry, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, we're going to let the elders uh, and Joel sit down. We're not done teasing Steve and Faith yet. So uh, Greg Tatter took it on himself here a while back to uh, to uh, put together a welcome kind of a kit. And you have to remember, these are not Minnesotans. And they're certainly not northern Minnesotans. So they have a little uh, acclimating to do. They need to assimilate into our culture and our climate and all those things. And, you know, they came from an apartment, a little one-bedroom apartment. And they have a really nice... Uh, little home in the country now, and it's got a yard, and and a few of us were there helping unload the truck uh, last week, and Faith was still kind of taking it all in and getting used to, you know, living in the country, and she said, oh, look, we have we have trees, and there's woods back there, and look, we have little hummingbirds, and I said, oh, Faith, th- those are mosquitoes, <laughs> so she's got a little learning to do about living here, but... Well, we're going to help them do that, and I'm sure it's going to be fine. And to help them with that, Greg's got a, a little gift basket that various people donated stuff, and, and he's going to tell us about that. As a church body, I know we wanted to welcome, and this is kind of a, this is kind of a, not true that it's a, a welcome to Minnesota survival kit, because in a sense it's a survival assistance kit, because we know that God has called them here for a reason and for a purpose. And so we know he's going to survive. So this is kind of a survival assistance kit, I guess we should call it. And for the mosquitoes, we have this mosquito uh, buggernator. These do work. Yeah. And to get them used to our wearing apparel, we got hats for them. Thank you. Thank you. Oops, oh, oh, sorry. And they know we like to hunt, so we have a matching. Uh, here, we'll put those on. Huh? We might not be able to show all of these to you, but we also have fishing gear, and they'll probably be fishing with us. And there's some mosquito repellent in here, and a church cookbook, and uh, mosquito nets. And uh, my favorite is a little lanyard. It's got a compass to keep them from going circles and are lost in the woods, and a thermometer to tell them how cold it is. And there's a wind chill chart so they can calculate how many minutes they have left to live before they freeze to death. <laughs> so all sorts of good uh, gizmos. And then there's a little survival uh, whistle combination. It's got a little flint in there and uh, matches and a whistle and a compass. So welcome to, welcome to Minnesota. All right, we'll let Faith sit down and put Steve to work. I want to start out this morning just by saying thank you to all of you. Um, it's been a huge blessing to come up here, and we, we are already starting to feel like this is home, and just the ways that you guys continue to bless us time and time again. So thank you so much. Um, I also want to recognize that today is Father's Day. Um, so I want to start out also by saying Happy Father's Day to all of you fathers out there who you know, continue to bless your kids and those of you who also play a role of fathers in somebody's life. Um, you know, we, we kind of live in this age where there's just so much information out there. You, you see all sorts of different books on parenting. You see blogs. You see random Facebook posts. I'm sure you'll see a bunch of those today on Father's Day. Um, so you, you kind of quickly get these ideas coming in of, okay, what makes a good father? Uh, so, you know, I was like, okay, I want to see what's out there. So I did a quick Google search, 
uh, to see what people are saying. And I, I actually pulled up th uh, a couple of quick lists. Um, they're going to put them up on the screen. Um, they're pretty big, and they're um, pretty big lists. So I'm only going to highlight a couple of things that are up there. Um, OK. All right. Um, so I know, <laughs> I know there's some things up there like um, treats, treats his wife like a queen. There's um, a protector, provider. Um, a whole bunch of different, uh, there's, there's disciplinarian, uh, one that you wouldn't normally, I don't, I don't think a kid would necessarily put that one on there, but, uh, that was up there as well. So there, there's all these different characteristics of what makes a good father. And I think, you know, I think the longest list I had was about 12 characteristics long. So if you, if you think about those different ideas of what's a great quality of a good father, um, at the root of each of them is a caring and involved father who loves his family. However, now, now if, if you just think of all those, those characteristics in your mind, you, you step back. Um, if we were to offer up a quick show of hands, um, how many of you know someone, maybe that be you know, a father, an uncle, a grandpa, a friend, who lives, every, lives that out perfectly every day? Yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to come across that. We're, we might get close. There might be some amazing fathers out there that get that close, but, but we're human and we make mistakes. But here's the really cool thing. As followers of Christ, we have a heavenly father who is better than the best father we know. And our relationship with him transforms our lives. He doesn't make mistakes. So today, I want to spend some time looking at some key characteristics of our Heavenly Father. And then I want to investigate how having a Heavenly Father impacts our everyday lives as His children. We're going to do this by asking three questions. My hope is today, as we explore these things, that we would feel the excitement that the Apostle John has when he writes in 1 John 3.1, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. So here's our first question for today. What's so great about having a heavenly father? Now, now this, is, this is a really, really big question. And there's a lot of different ways to answer it. So for the sake of time, we're going to zoom in on just two really big reasons. So here's our first reason from this morning. God is who he says he is. The term that theologians use to talk about this is that God is omniscient. His character does not change, and he always comes through on his promises. And Hebrews 10:23 encourages us to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Then just on in the next chapter in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, we actually looked at that this last week. Um, we see believers throughout the Bible who put their faith in God, trusted in him, and saw God come through time and time again on his promises. His character does not change. And the same is true of Jesus. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what's so great about having a heavenly father? It's because God is who he says he is. We have a father who never changes on us and who does not make mistakes. 
So let's think about what this lo looks like in a relationship between parents and kids. When a kid really wants something, what do they do? They'll do anything they can to try to get it, right? Mommy, can I have another cookie? No. Mommy, can I have another cookie? No. Mommy, can I have another cookie? No. Daddy, can I have another cookie? <laughs> now, why do kids do this? They do this because they think that they think that they can wear their parents down by asking time and time again, and maybe the answer will change from a no to a yes. So you know, if if mom doesn't say yes, they might move on to dad because, well, maybe dad doesn't know that this is actually their third cookie, um, and mommy's already said no three times. Either way, the child wants a different answer. They want the answer to change. Now, the reality is, humans are parent, or parents are human. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they are. Okay. All right. They might get worn down and change their answer to yes. Dad might be uninformed and say yes without knowing the situation. This doesn't happen with God. His yes is yes, and his no is no. He's never caught off guard and always knows what's best. Now, because of this, we can trust him even more. Matthew 7.11 brings out this comparison. It says, If you then, who are evil, so talking about parents and saying, in other words, you make mistakes, you can have bad attitudes, or you can change your minds, so on and so forth. So, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So the, so the first answer to how, uh, what's so great about having a heavenly Father is that he is who he says he is. The second is that we have a father who loves us more deeply than any other. Now, this morning, there's no way we could get to the, the bottom of the depths of God's love for us. Um, th in fact, this is something that as we're walking with God as his kids, we continue to learn day in and day out through the rest of our lives. However, the greatest example of God's love for us we find in 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says this, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation or the payment for our sins. Now God, by doing this, this great act of love, made us his children. Over the years, I've been blessed to witness friends who have, who have grown their family through the process of adoption. Um, one of those things that those of us who haven't gone through this don't, don't really realize or grasp the concept of how costly this process is. In the United States, just financially, it can cost thousands of dollars between the legal fees, the, the transportation, the, the agency fees, and more just to, to adopt a child. And that's just the financial piece. It's emotionally costly, too, as you search, as you make the investment of time and the hard investment 
and sometimes even just in the waiting process. And I know some of you are here today who have been through this process yourselves. The whole process is an enormous act of love. And God went through this process too for us. He paid the ultimate price for us, not financially, but in sending his own son to die for our sins in our place, that we might be adopted into the family of God. This is just scratching the surface of how deep God's love is for us. We don't have time to go into how God has shown his love time and time again throughout the Bible as he reveals his character to his children, or even as he's worked in our own lives. This is just the beginning. Now, now here I want to take a moment and acknowledge that some of us might not feel like we're experiencing God, that great love of God. It might feel like God's distant or, or life is hard right now. So it's hard to think of God as a good father. Here, here it can kind of be helpful to remember that we're God's kids, but he's the parent. Now see, as we think about this, as, as parents, when your kid starts crying because you've told them, no, you can't have that third cookie, you make the choice, you make that choice not because you're trying to be mean, but because you know it's not good for them. Your decision was made out of love, but your kid might not experience it that way. As parents, there are many decisions that you make out of love that your kids might not like or even understand at the time, but you know it's good for them. The same is true of our relationship with God. There will be times when we, as his kids, will come to our Heavenly Father and ask for things that we want or think that we need, but we'll get answers that we might not like or understand. However, that doesn't mean that God gave us that answer to cause pain for the sake of pain. He gave it because he knows what's ultimately good for us. And he knows the best way for us to get to there. Remember, God's decisions are always, always, always made out of love. Now we just spent time looking at God's role as Heavenly Father. The next question focuses on our role. Here's the second question. If God is my Heavenly Father, what does that make me? So if we just look back at uh, 1 John 3.1 again, um, I'm going to just read the verse again. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. We are God's children. 1 John 3 not only celebrates that we're God's children, but it also helps us remember and define the, our role and our relationship with him. Here's another reminder from Jesus in Luke 18, 16 and 17. He said, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. God wants and expects us to approach him as his children, which means our natural tendency to, to try to do life on our own terms or to approach God as adults who have it all together, it completely misses the privilege, the freedom, 
and the identity that we have as God's children. Let's stop here and just think about this for a second. How many of you here, quick show of hands, have kids? How many of you here work with kids? How many of you here still kind of are kids? <laughs> All right. So this morning I'm going to just ask going to challenge you to use your knowledge of children. What is the most famous, dreaded and recurring question a child asks? Absolutely. Why? Why? Okay, well, let's try this one. What happens when a child gets really excited about something or did something they think is absolutely amazing? What do they do? Do they Okay. They run up to their parents and say, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy, Daddy, did you see what I did? Look what I did, look what I did. They want their parents to share in their excitement and praise them for what they just did because they want to try to please their parents or make them proud. When they're hurt or afraid or just plain overwhelmed, what do they do? They grab on to Mommy or Daddy as they cry because Mommy or Daddy are safe and they can make things better. And let's talk about how they can't leave mommy or daddy alone for five minutes. Even going to the bathroom can be a bit of a challenge. Now think about what it would be like if we approached God like this. If you're like me, the only part that's probably easy is the, the whining and complaining. But really, do we hammer God with question, with question after question until he provides the answer and not just to get a different answer? When something amazing happened in our day, do we run up to God and praise him and say, Daddy, Daddy, did you see what happened today? Do we pour out our emotions before God when we're hurting, when worries are overwhelming us, or when life just seems to be throwing way too much at us? And do we trust that he's safe and he'll help make things better? Do we seek God so much that it seems like we can't leave him alone for five minutes? I can't answer these questions for you this morning, but I would encourage you to honestly ask them of yourself and work to answer them. But here's something that's really cool. Our Heavenly Father knew that living like his children would be a struggle. So, in his amazing love, God gave us an example to follow. Our big brother, Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, who said in John 5, 19 and 20, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these he will show him, so that you may marvel. This is the perfect father and son, parent-child relationship. So let's go back and look at what it would look like with the, the list of, you know, kid, uh, um, with what we just looked at as kids. And Jesus didn't have to ask why all the time, because of his unique character of being both God and man at the same time. And we did hear Jesus ask why once, as he was dying on the cross. Why have you forsaken me? In that moment, Jesus took on our sin 
separating him from his perfect relationship with the Father for the first and only time. Jesus also lived to make his Father proud. In fact, we hear the Father telling him that, that he's proud of him in Matthew 7, or 17, 5, when he says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Jesus brought his heart to God as he was preparing to go to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. And remember all the times when Jesus snuck off to be by himself, to have an alone time with the Father? Disciples are like, where did he go? He couldn't leave him alone for five minutes. Jesus is our perfect example. But maybe he had the same question I did, where even as I was writing the sermon, there was a hand that was raising in the back of my mind. It's like, uh, excuse me, Jesus is perfect. Um, he's also God. I'm not. Uh, how in the world am I supposed to live up to his example? God reminded me here that he's not just the Father and Son, but he's also God the Holy Spirit. See, we spent a lot of time this morning looking at that Father and Son relationship, but he's more than just that relationship. He's a trinity, which means, and we can't forget the role of the Holy Spirit. God himself comes into our lives um, to help us through his Holy Spirit. We're not perfect, nor will we ever perfectly be able to live up to the example of Jesus. But as we grow in our relationship with the Father and through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, we start to act more and more like our Heavenly Father and more and more like Jesus as we live in relationship with him. So here's our final question for this morning. Can you see the family resemblance? I love watching parents as they interact with their kids, especially when they're little, because the resemblance is just so clear. Uh, I've, I've been blessed, actually, over the past year to be able to watch my oldest brother and, uh, well, my, and his oldest son. And the resemblance, it, it's unmistakable. Now, my, my brother Tim is a person who absolutely loves language. He loves studying it. He loves talking about it. He loves teaching it to others. The whole nine yards. Language is his thing. He's also very systematic, which means that things have to be done a particular way or it, it kind of irks him. It, it can drive him a little crazy. Now, every time we play with Tim's oldest son, David, we will always, and I mean always, see or be asked to join in playing with David's favorite toys. Anybody want to guess? Alphabet letters. The alphabet is David's universe. They, anything David sees, he can turn into a letter, whether that be the, um, blocks on the floor, pillows, Play-Doh, his brother's train tracks. Literally anything can become a letter. And sometimes these letters even have conversations with each other. David's favorite song? The alphabet song. Now, now, being his uncle, um, I like to mess with David a little bit when it comes to the alphabets. Sometimes I forget which letter came next. Um, I intentionally tell him the wrong letter when he's holding it in his hand. Or sometimes I rearrange his alphabet letters to get them out of order. Now, because David's like his father and very systematic, 
This drives him crazy. And I will often hear things like, No, Uncle Steve, B does not go after G. Now, the best example of this is actually I was messing around with him once, and he was singing the alphabet song. And I'm like, okay, well, David, can you sing the alphabet backwards? You know, here I was thinking. He's going to turn around, I'm going to see his back, and he's going to keep singing the alphabet song. No, he started the song from Z to A, successfully completed it, and I was like, he's five? <laughs> Wait, what? The family resemblance is clear. David is his father's son. How many times do we look at parents and their kids and say, oh, that, that's such a wick thing to do? Or, yep, that's a Hanson trait, all right. Or, yeah, you're definitely a Geisler. <laughs> we can identify the family that someone belongs to by looking at how they look and act. It's because as we spend time in our relationship with our parents and our family, we start to look and act like one another. The same is true of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. The more we spend time with Him, the more we start to look and act like Him. And we have brothers and sisters that can come along and help us out. And as we share time together, like here this, this Sunday morning, or through opportunities like community groups or DNA groups, we get to encourage each other and remind each other and help each other live as a family. Here, here it's helpful to look at Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So our last question this morning is both an encouragement and a challenge. Can you see the family resemblance? Can you look at your life and see how you're looking and acting now and look back even a year ago and say, Am I, do I look more like a son or daughter of God now than I did last year? So praise God because of what he's doing in your life and for being such an amazing father. It also challenges us because others who are not yet a part of the family of God are asking that same question. Can they see our family resemblance? But for most of us, as we wrestle through these things, as we think through them, remember, remember, we have an amazing Heavenly Father who loves us and who has made us His children. If you're here this morning and you don't have that relationship with the Father and you would like to, and you'd like to talk about what that looks like and how do you enter into that relationship, I would encourage you, after the service, talk to me or talk, talk to one of the elders. We would love to share that with you. Now, one of the ways that we get to celebrate God's great love, we're actually going to do this morning. We're going to enter into a time of communion. Um, so as we do that, I'm going to ask the elders to come up uh, here. And as we're, as we're serving the communion this morning, I would ask you to just think about what God's doing in your life, what he has been doing, and remember and just think about his love how he has shown his love to you in this past year.